Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses live here on the YouTube channel and good evening to those of you watching with us live and commenting in the uh, comments section. Be sure to get involved throughout the show as on tonight's live episode we look back at Neil Warnock's first game in charge which ultimately ended in defeat at Ibrox the Dons going down 2-1 um, after a couple of goalkeeping mistakes, um, which we'll come into, of course. Um, and also later on in the show, we'll preview the upcoming game at the weekend as the Dons hit the road back to Hamden, but Bonnie Rigg are the visitors to Pataudry. We'll be previewing that Scottish Cup tie and kind of looking at what now for Neil Warnock after the game last night is probably the real pressure starts in a run of games where wins will be expected from the fans. But Callum, um, let's take a look back at last night. First and foremost, what was your initial full-time thoughts? Because the game ended in defeat, but mm-hmm. I, I think there's reasons to be positive from it. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, we didn't get battered, so that's a good start. Um, I think had we not changed managers, that might have been different. Um, I think I was disappointed to not have come away from uh, come away from the game with something. Um, not least because of the refereeing decisions, which we'll come on to, um, or maybe it's VR more to blame. I guess last night rather than the referee on field. But I was I was disappointed that we didn't get anything from the game. Um, I think there is reasons to be encouraged. However, some reasons on display uh, to be discouraged also, which we will also come on to. I'm sure a lot of you probably can already tell what I'm hitting at there. Yeah, exactly. And um, obviously being an Aberdeen podcast, there's going to be a lot of bias um, towards an an Aberdeen opinion. Um, Of course, trying to even it out because of the unbelievable bias we saw last night on Sky Sports news coverage even in Kenny Miller in particular. Um, but we'll take a look at the team news before we get into to, to the action, first of all, Callum, because we tend to look at the team news on the podcast. Uh, and just two changes um, from the team that, that started the weekend draw over Celtic. Johnny Hayes making a return to the team in place of Dante Polvara and Killian Phillips um, um put on the bench and Leighton Clarkson preferred behind Boyan Miofsky instead of the on-loan Crystal Palace midfielder. Um, I think probably a, a surprise to most to see Johnny Hayes put into the team, but I'm assuming um, that was Neil Warnock's attempt to install width into the team because that was definitely an area he noted as us being weak in. I mean, I think we've all fucking noted that this season. Yeah. Uh, also, as well as with perhaps a bit of experience as well, Warnock strikes me as the type of man that enjoys a bit of experience in his side. Um, and to be honest, other than the slip uh, in the build-up to, to the Rangers' first goal, I actually thought Johnny Hayes came in and did pretty well. I thought he helped out Jack McKenzie a lot down that um, down that left-hand side. To be fair, when you're up against sort of Tavernier, a lot of your work is probably going to be going back the way just because of the way he plays. Uh, how much he bombs forward. And I thought Johnny dealt with it pretty well. Um, I don't know. I wasn't sure whether Phillips or Clarkson was going to start. For me, from what we saw from both of them last night, maybe they got that one slightly wrong. Um, not not a lot coming off for Clarkson, but at the same time, didn't get a lot of chances to, to, to sort of wave that magic wand of his. Um, however, it was sort of six and a half a dozen. Really, but I, when Phillips came on, I was certainly impressed with uh, how he put himself about. But from an Irishman at Ibrox, I suppose you'd expect uh, little to no less. Yeah, I think he does like to to put himself about. I think that's slightly harsh um, on Leighton. I don't think he kind of did too much wrong, and just I don't. I know, like he was quiet. Of, he was quiet. Yeah, I think a lot of us. I mean, first half especially, we were quiet. Before we come on to the the first goal, obviously, the, the, a point that the Paul Donaldson makes in, in the comment about the the fact that the second half performance was was decent but worrying. We only seem to be able to play well for forty five minutes um, at a time, and wondering if Neil Warnock can work out how to get us playing our best for ninety minutes. And I guess as I said, coming into the weekend and and the run of games that we've got coming up, especially with a a heavy run of home fixtures, um, that's definitely something that that Neil Warnock's going to probably want to get out of this team. 
I think so. And I suppose, given the last sort of two fixtures, um, you know, it'll be very different tests in the remaining games up until the split. Pretty favourable uh, run up to the split now that, um, you know, we've got to play Hearts, Celtic or Rangers, and the fact Hibs is at least at home as well, considering mm-hmm. we just can't win in Edinburgh, it seems like. Um, so I'm sure Warnock will get it together a little bit. And, you know, we said prior and he even said in his interviews, um, or alluded to it anyway, that he didn't have much time to, you know, have any bearing on it. One sort of training session. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, um, now you know a decent few days going into the Bonnie Rig Rose game at Pataudry should be a decent crowd as well. And mm-hmm. um, we'll maybe see a little bit more of that Warnock influence. Yeah, maybe. And I wonder going into the the weekend's game if we'll see. Um, changes based on performances last night you weren't Im- impressed by Leighton Clarkson or quiet sorry and not mm-hmm. to um, yeah, right. yeah um one one area of the pitch I'm sure fans will be quickly looking at when the team sheet comes out uh, on Saturday will Ross Duhan make his competitive debut for the Dons I mean if he doesn't make his competitive debut um on Saturday how shite must he be because <sighs> When you go to places like Parkhead uh, and Ibrox or, you know, play opposition that it's naturally going to be a harder game, what you do not need is players gifting goals to the opposition. And the, the first goal is, it just seems to be like a catalogue of mistakes. Uh, Johnny Hayes, obviously, as you, you mentioned, having having the slip. Uh, whether that distracts Kel Roos or not, but Jesus Christ, the shot is so tame, he could have probably stopped it with his foot, let alone fallen down and, and caught the ball. The fact that he even feels the need to parry it, it for me, is of huge concern. Uh, but if you're going to do that, please don't fucking parry it straight to the, the oncoming Rangers player. Parry it as wide as possible. Uh, and I know some people um, picked up on the fact that um, I think is it Nicky Devlin or um, in that situation was maybe caught on his heels but I mean fuck me Nicky Devlin's not going to be expecting his keeper to parry that sort of shot question marks undoubtedly are going to be asked of Kel after that once again um, you could probably forgive it if it was sort of a one-off um, the fact there was two pretty similar goals in the same game and it's not his first nonsense in a while um, take back to the St. Johnston game, certainly. Um, he seems to have an serious problem. Um, and I just, I don't understand what's what's going on with him. He looked so good when he came back from injury last season. And now it seems to be most weeks, not every week guaranteed, but most weeks mm-hmm. there is something. Um, and I suppose in the Dundee game as well, when he was dilly-dallying on the ball and then hoofed it off one of their players as well. It's a concern, and I saw it mentioned on Twitter, and I think it's probably worth mentioning on here. There's two question marks maybe to be asked of Craig Sampson, because Joe Lewis went rapidly downhill under his stewardship, if you like. Mm-hmm. Maybe the same with Keller Ross, or do you have another theory, perhaps, why, Glenn, maybe things are going downhill? Yeah, well, obviously, with the, the Dutchman being out of contract in the summer, there's rumours he's been talking to Hibs. Um, kind of makes sense now with the the news coming out of Hibs and the the money that they've come into. Maybe there's a, a decent decent financial offer that that's coming up. Maybe thinking about the impending birth of child number two, um, and speaking to other clubs, he's maybe his head's not in in the right space just now. And uh, the comment on screen from from Kaiser, um, saying said months ago that the Roos needs drop that's now 12 goals this season he's been at fault for um I'm trying to work out the the goals that that make up the 12 that, that Kaiser um, mentions but I do agree with the, the last point there we win that game last night if he's not playing well maybe not win but I don't think we certainly lose the game um if Roos isn't isn't playing but you just need to look back at the, the St Johnston game I think we win that game if it wasn't for Kyle Roos's rush of blood. Question marks for me as well around the, the Dundee equaliser um, in that game. Although saying that, if he had a cop, if he has confidence and claims both those crosses, we're probably not speaking about Neil Warnock being manager right now. Uh, I suppose that's very true. And you mentioned we'll be keeping in a keen eye on the on the team sheet uh, on Saturday to see if Ross Duham gets a chance. 
Uh, I hope the new head of recruitment is keeping a keen eye on the free agent goalkeepers on transfer market. That's what I hope at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm glad Kyle Roos has made it easily identifiable the first area that the new head of recruitment needs to be researching um, anyway. But uh, as Dart says, he's really putting himself in the shop window um, for the summer with some of his um, recent um, performances. And Sam Gordon suggesting um, Mitov from St Johnston, a keeper that's impressed this season as a, a possible replacement. And I wonder if um, Benjamin Seagrest could be tempted um, away from Celtic. Obviously, he impressed um, at Dundee United and has just sat um, on Celtic's bench for a long time, picking up a nice healthy pay packet at the same time. So, you know, certainly looking domestically, um, there's a couple of options there before we even look Mm at uh, mad Balkan bastards that I know people would love us to fill our team with. Certainly. I mean, the two goalkeepers there, I was really impressed with Mitov, when, when we played St Johnston just recently, Benjamin Seagrass was fantastic at Dundee United and then yeah, hasn't played at Celtic. Maybe he thinks it's time after after picking up that healthy wage to, to go and to go and play because he's sort of getting up and I think he's early sort of thirties just now, coming into the primary career as a goalkeeper, or in the primary career as a goalkeeper. Maybe he's thinking it's time to go and play somewhere and this would probably be a pretty good spot for him. Uh, I saw I mentioned Thomas Vatchlick uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter as well, previously worked with uh, Warnock at, at Huddersfield Town went to USA New England Revolution didn't really work out for him but been on the books at Basel Sevilla Olympiacos out of contract I mean be rude not to ask the question you feel like at least until the end of the season no it, and another Czech Thomas in goals <laughs> who wouldn't love it it's funny though because I, I saw someone say well we're not going to take a, a goalkeeper who's out of contract because they're not going to be match fit does a goalkeeper really need to be match fit? Maybe just for for sharpness, but does just that really matter? Just on the deck in the back garden a few times and get up quickly, we'll be fine. Speaking of Czech Thomases, I, I remember seeing Thomas Cherney's uh, Instagram. Um, I think he was at Ptodri on Saturday and we're undefeated when he's featured on Red TV. I can't believe they didn't wheel him out um, last night. Um, no offence to Lee Mayer, who was... Um, coming in for, for Steve Tosh in the, the co-com seat, but um, that's a nice little superstitious stat. But uh, an interesting comment, uh, and uh, I'm sure one that's been discussed a lot um, uh, as well from Dan D. Um, Roos's best spell coincides with having a decent keeper in Jay Gorter on the bench, pushing him. Of course, Jay um, started uh, for a period of time when Kel Roos was injured last season. Um, and then we kind of saw the back end of last season, the, the penalty save against Hibs sticks out in what was kind of almost pivotal in, in that kind of running uh, in the end of last season. Again, does that kind of look at the weakness on the bench? It, it, I, I don't want to criticise Ross Duhan too much because we've we've not seen him to, to be able to to judge it, what he's like. But what what does it say if on Saturday... Ross isn't given at least a chance to show what he can do. Yeah, it would probably say quite a lot. Yet yeah, I would also do heart back to uh, the not so glowing reviews from uh, Forest Green Rovers fans when we signed him. Yeah, or um, and another stretch, Brogan Coates saying Bonnie rigs the perfect time to get Tom Ritchie. Uh, a first team start. Can't remember the last time we played a, a youth um, keeper, and Skokesker uh, is backing backing that comment up as well. But uh, with the greatest of respect to to Tom Ritchie, um, you know the Scottish Cup is our last opportunity to win silverware this season. Um, we do need to be giving this game as much respect um, as possible. So. Uh, I guess interesting to see where we go in terms of selection going into it. It is, but then I suppose the same with the greatest respect, but then also you potentially be given a chance to Ross Duan who's not played at all. So it's sort of six and a half of us, yeah. but I suppose Ross Duan has been making the bench over Tom Ritchie. Um, but yeah, one to keep an eye on, and I sort of wouldn't be against at least well one of the other two get, getting a chance in, in, in this cup game just because um, you would like to think it can't be much worse than just mm-hmm. parrying it straight out to their oncoming forwards. Yeah, which we do Twice. a lot. Um, in, in terms of the, the rest of the first half, it was very much defence versus attack as we kind of struggled to get much going uh, in the final third. And 
on the rare occasion that we did, we lacked the, that quality with the final ball. One kind of that sticks out was the, the counter-attack where Johnny Hayes tried to, to play a ball in front of the defence and failed to beat the beat the first man. But how did you think we coped defensively with the, the onslaught of, of pressure we faced for, for large periods of that first half? Was Do you think we coped well or can we be relieved at some of the poor finishing from Rangers? Slightly relieved, I think, but on the whole, I thought the defence were pretty good. And to be honest, when you go down, well, what to be honest, when Aberdeen go 1-0 down against anyone in the first 10 minutes, you expect it to, uh, half, at least half expect it to capitulate. So I was quite impressed that we stayed with them, we stayed in the game. I thought the defence more than held their own. Um, unfortunately, in terms of holding on to the ball, and once the defence had done their job, there was well, they were, there was very little of that. Mm. Um, and we mentioned about you know getting Boyan service. We did eventually. However, in a game like that, you know, to stand a chance, we need to be giving him more opportunities. Uh, we didn't, uh, but thankfully, he took the one that he did get the chance. Yeah, he did. And in terms of the defence, I think we were we were really resolute. I thought Nicky Devlin coped well enough. Um, certainly up against a pace merchant like Robbie Matondo uh, in that first half and his poor crown jewels if they weren't bruised enough for, from Saturday they got another damage um, in the second half so he's certainly putting his body on the line if I know people have been a bit critical of Adam for the goals you can't you can't say he's not putting everything on the line for Aberdeen at times oh he's putting his body in harm's way all right um, on a cold, cold night, you imagine down there too. Um, can't have been fun. Yeah, hope his missus isn't wanting kids anytime soon. So it'll be a while. Right, um, yeah. But a, a player that's kind of come in for criticism, is it, is it fair to say, or maybe questioning whether or not we should be looking to, to sign him on a, a more permanent basis if the, the option arises is Stefan Gartenman. Paul Donaldson saying Gartenman has been poor the past few past few matches but he was a lot better last night uh, I'm sure he woke up with a sore head this morning because he seemed to head absolutely anything that came in his direction um, and for me he was probably the standout uh, in that defence and I think as, as I kind of mentioned given maybe how shaky he's been previous Yeah I think so um, I was impressed with the ensign as well to be fair because um, I've not I've not been impressed with him in recent times either, but I thought as a pair collectively they they were, um, they looked a lot better. They looked comfortable. They knew what they were doing. They were doing. They knew their role, and I thought they did it very well. Because as I said, you could have expected us to capitulate otherwise. And I think um, without them, we probably would have. Mm-hmm. And I suppose given that the pressure that we absorbed for pretty much the majority of that that first half. I don't know if many of us could believe our luck that we were actually going in at halftime 1-1 and Boyan Miofsky with his 20th goal of the season in all competitions. And it's really a goal all down to the the work of Boyan Miofsky because, I mean, whether Conor Barron means that assist or not, if it's just a hopeful hike over the top, but credit to the North Macedonian once again. And he just swats Conor Goldson aside, you know, doesn't get bullied by him, doesn't get put off by the onrushing Jack Butland as well. Cool, calm, very collected and nonchalantly slots the ball home. Bedlam in the away end. He's incredible, isn't he? Um, whether Baron meant it, it was brilliant. If, if if it was just pure luck, either way, I don't mind. It came off, but Boyan Miofsky, what impressed me most wasn't even the finish. It was holding off Connor Goldson. He's a fucking big lad. Uh, mm. And he just held him at arm's length almost uh, with, with absolute ease. Um, and then the finish was incredible too. I mean, you're sort of running out of superlatives at this point for Boyamiovsky every week. He seems to be sort of bailing us out of the shit at times. Mm. Um, and God, let's just enjoy him whilst, whilst he's here because by God, is he a good striker. The best I've seen... Maybe in my lifetime, in terms of actual like technical quality, um, Adam Rooney obviously a very good goal scorer. Purple patch from Sam Cosgrove. Outside that, we're probably struggling. In fairness, um, but I think the best I've seen in my lifetime that well that I remember anyway. 
Yeah, I know. I was, I was having this discussion with a couple of guys at, at work, and I think obviously we show our age and maybe kind of some of the, the audience that, that listens to our show in comparison to the other Aberdeen podcasts that, that, that are out there, when we would naturally say that Boyan's the best striker since Adam Rooney. You know, I've been supporting Aberdeen since since 2002. And, you know, I try to think this some of the strikers that I've seen in that time. You've got Lee Miller, um, Darren Mackey, as you say, Sam Cosgrove. There's nobody that kind of sticks out as effective as as Boyan. And, and the, a couple of the guys at work were saying that probably for them, it, it's the best since Duncan Shearer. And that's a, a comment that is is echoed by, by Paul Donaldson. Uh, and look, he's a, a striker that we have to enjoy um, whilst, whilst we have him, because it does feel inevitable that come the summer, clubs will be coming in in their droves. And look, we've got to count our lucky stars and also feels a bit beggar's belief that nobody tested the water uh, in January and whether, uh, as Chris Boyd mentioned last night on the Sky Sports coverage, that finances potentially played a part in no club doing so in January. I, I for one, uh, I'm grateful. And um, since we didn't do the research, Lee Seymour did it for us instead, saying he did some research last night and 17 of Boyan's 20 goals have been responsible for a positive result or a draw like HJK Helsinki. Others in the team need to start helping the guy out. Um, or as Callum puts it, we'd be in the shit without him. I certainly think so. Um, I know it's been a little time since you said it, but you mentioned um, showing, showing our age there. Uh, I don't think it's your words that show your age, Glenn. It's your baldy head. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's that, there's that too. Um, but look, it, 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 it's just it, it just shows that the absolute importance of of having a, having a goal scorer in your team and somebody that can can drag you out of a, a situation. You know, you look at Livingston and Ross County who are struggling for goals. Thankfully for us, we've got someone that that we can rely on and just you know. Yeah that between now and the end of the season he, he can stay fully fit um, on you go what I would mention however is Celtic fans Rangers fans on Twitter going I can't believe we didn't sign him for four or five million that would not have fucking got you let's yeah. come on let's be honest that would not have got you he's definitely going on to bigger and better things than, than Glasgow he'll be going to the top one of the top five leagues whether that's down to England or Southampton if they get promoted since Darren Mowbray's there or I think he's expressed desire to play in Italy at some point. I don't know if I'm making that up, but it just feels like he would hit it off over there. Um, yeah, get your heads up your arses. How about that? Yeah, and it's even even journalists as well. So I'm like, oh, I can't believe you know Celtic and Rangers would be stupid not to buy him. He is a class above both those sides. Those sides would be lucky to have him in their team, and he's far too good to even consider going to to those sides and I, I was listening to the the totally scottish football podcast a couple of weeks ago um and auntie dean joseph from sky sports was on and i, I think the club um had celtic or rangers bid for boyan in january the club were looking at 10 million for a domestic team to to buy him would have probably accepted a, a, little, a little bit less from, from england or elsewhere but his understanding was that was kind of the, the price tag Aberdeen had put on Boyan's head for um, any kind of domestic bid and immediately that blows all of them out of the water. But just shows the kind of value that is on his head. And Joel Lewis last night in the, in the coverage on Sky Sports saying the club should be looking at kind of starting at 8 million plus add-ons. I think Joe is being a bit conservative in his, in, in his estimation. Possibly. Uh, credit, however, to Joe. Um, first of all, we stream in Man United sometimes. That's a bit mental. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, for dealing with uh, the clowns that are in the studio, uh, just making it all about Silicon Rangers, arguing about the penalty and whatnot, rather than just uh, and comparing it to a previous Celtic one, rather than just actually looking at what's happened in front of them. Yeah, uh, you said Joe Lewis's career kind of went on a bit of a decline with um, Samson. Yeah. He's training with Man United. He, he, he won't be thinking that. Um, before we go on to the, the second half, I just want to pick up on this point um, uh, as well from, from Wee Dave, where he says, we should be assessing potential replacements for Boyan. We'll have money to spend. Let's not just forget 
the money potentially coming in from from Bojan Miovsky. We've got the money from European football. And with some of the prices being touted around Lewis Ferguson and the, this 20% sell-on, we have got a lot of coin um, that Cormac can um, dish out um, this summer for, of course, a new management team. Certainly, and perhaps, uh, I can't remember if there was a, de- uh, a selling clause in the Ramadani deal as well. I mean, uh, I don't know if his performances are quite what they were in sort of first half season for Lecce, mm. but if teams still sniff around him, um, well, it won't be as much as we'd probably fetch from the Ferguson sell-on. However, if there's anything, then, you know, envy a little helps. Well, Ramadani's also got the Euros in the summer to impress as well. We're laughing. We are rolling in it. Cormac has got dollar signs in his eyes permanently. Um, in terms of the second half, then, from an Aberdeen perspective, the first three minutes were positive. Um, we won a corner and tried to, to look start on the front foot. But um, after that, it was pretty much as was uh, in the first half, um, soaking up uh, as much pressure. But I can't help but feel, Callum, we were doing a decent job of soaking up the pressure. Yes, to to quote Ian Crocker, it felt relentless, but I don't think we were struggling. Rangers weren't creating clear-cut opportunities. Kel Rose was doing his best to give them opportunities by punching the ball back into the danger zone, but he also made a good stop with his feet as well. But I didn't feel we were kind of being cut open at will. No, uh, I think yeah, Kelly's had, had a couple of decent saves. In fairness to him, just a shame about some of the rest of it. Um, I don't think it was a particularly good game last night. I don't think Rangers were great. Obviously, they were better than us. They won the game, whatever. That's fine. Um, we weren't at our best. I don't think they were either. It, I, I would say you know it, it was absolutely relentless, and we were struggling to deal with it. Um, I thought our defenders had a very good game and it wasn't like they were missing chance after chance after chance, like clear-cut opportunities-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Hill blew off some very good saves. But I think I think that's a bit much uh, from Ian Crocker. Shock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not surprised. Um, but the, the pressure did tell uh, and we did concede. But the first goal, I think we can apportion pretty much all the blame, in my opinion, to, to Kel Roos. The second one seems to have split the the opinion of the support, and I'll be interested to kind of see the comments that, that come in on the back of, of this one. But for me, I'm putting the blame on, on Kel once again. Yes, the, the strike from Tom Lawrence is much better than the, the strike that, that Kel parried in, in the first half. But you've got to be pushing that wider. Um, you've got to be pushing that past the post, not back within the kind of frame of the goal for Todd Cantwell to, to tap in. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, it was a much better strike in the first instance, I've got to say. Um, and it's a good save if he beats it wide. That's the thing. If he beats it wide, it's a good save. He's just causing pro- more problems for himself. Um, and I think it hits him on the way past sort of as well, which is okay. Yeah, very difficult to react. Uh, in that sort of time frame but just beat it wide mate just beat it wide and it would have been absolutely fine it's just very very frustrating um, and hey Jonky says Roos needs to stop you know Roos good to stop the initial defence need to react too though yeah I can certainly understand that as well however it's always the onrushing attacker that's that's for, well not always but more than likely they're going to be first to get there but I guess if they had reacted quicker then we wouldn't be talking about any of this either but um, it just eliminate the problem in the first place by beating it wide Yeah um, but I think it is a fair point that Hadron Q makes because once again the, the defence is extremely flat footed there's no anticipation of uh, you know having to follow the ball in in case the keeper makes a mistake and you'd have thought there would have been some sense of anticipation given what we'd seen um, in in the first half. Again, Nicky Devlin involved in being one of the players that is, or was, I should say, flat-footed in that situation. A player that's played a lot of minutes um, for, for Aberdeen this season, again, down to the fact that we've got limited options to, to kind mm-hmm. of give him that rest. I've seen a couple of comments um, around potential mental fatigue um, for players and, and it can affect obviously a game like yesterday where you have to be so switched on and you switch off for a second you're, you're punished it, is that something that could be factored into to yesterday as well? 
I guess possibly. I suppose with the first half against Celtic as well, where we weren't really in the game, that will probably have taken a lot out of them too, both physically and mentally, uh, without, you know, trying to be Barry Robson and blame it all on tiredness. Um, I suppose for guys like Nicky Devlin, you probably consider it even more so, considering how switched on he's had to be uh, for pretty much every minute of every game uh, so far this season. But at the same time, you've got to get yourself up for it if you're going to Ibrox, really, as an Aberdeen player. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think the frustration was given the kind of application and effort that most of the the outfield players um, applied during the game and kind of the most of the pressure that they had to, to soak up and how well they, they dealt with it. Um, it. It's for me frustration, given it's two goalkeeping errors that, that cost us even taking a, a point from the game last night. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I would really give like to give credit to them, although you know I'm saying they've got got, got to stay up for it. They did do very well because I mentioned it earlier on the show. Like, like as soon as it goes one nil inside ten minutes at a place like Ibrox, you just expect it to be an absolute onslaught, don't you? Yeah, um, no, I, I, absolutely. But I, I think as well that we did react well to because I did think when, once it went to two one, I thought oh, well game over. But I thought Neil Warnock was proactive um, in his changes and, and brought on the likes of Duke, Shaden Morris, Dante Povara came on um, as well. And I thought all the changes last night had a, a positive impact um, on the game or certainly positive in terms of going for an, an equaliser. We didn't make changes that were questionable to just accepting the result. Um, and what I did like about the team, I said to you before we came came live tonight, that we just started taking bodies um, at two one down. We weren't, you know, I, I mentioned that the six nil defeat to you uh, against Celtic again before we went live about kind of. I think you always say we're soft as baby shite in these games where we're getting absolutely pumped on the pitch, but nobody puts a foot in, leaves their mark. Well, Duke left his mark on on Connor Goldson, Fabio Silva was touched by a feather and hit the deck on countless occasions. I didn't realise that they'd signed the Portuguese Tom Daly. <clears throat> but we actually put ourselves uh, about a bit as well, created a couple of chances. I, I have to be honest, I was a bit frustrated at Miofsky trying the fancy flick. Um, yeah. the, the pace was never on the ball. Could he have left it? Dummied it for Dante Polvara as well. I, I just didn't think it needed to be, be fancy. Um, in that situation as well but you, you can't fault the players for not being able to create once we went 2-1 down No um, I'll be obviously one even if he takes it in and then tries to just get a half yard to get the shot off and then it would be difficult if he does manage to get a shot off for, for Butland um, from such a close range so many bodies between him and the goal um, all the substitutes Kevin Phillips came on and applied himself uh, Duke and Danny Povara both picking up yellow cards. Shane Morris, unfortunately, running the ball out for a corner, um, but he didn't have much time to impact the game. In fairness, one thing uh, maybe you know it, it's minor, but didn't bring on Esther Sockler when perhaps he could have stretched them uh, once they'd gone down to ten. Yeah, uh, I saw a few people um, mention that as well. Obviously, as you mentioned, Rangers going down to ten. Thoughts on the red card? Um, agree, disagree. I suppose the, probably the only thing I'll praise Don Robertson for doing um, last night was actually having the balls to stick to his on-field decision, despite Greg Aitken nailing his colours to the greener um, blue mast of Glasgow by calling him over to even look at that decision. I can't believe he got called over to look at that. And honestly, full credit Don Robertson for sticking to it, especially at Ibrox. Um, when there's 50,000 of them being for your blood to change the decision, probably can't have been easy. Um, so credit to him for finding his spine. Um, red card for me all day long. Okay, he doesn't actually catch him too high, but it still studs up on his boot. <clears throat> and it, for me, the worst part was the force that he went in, flying in and completely out of control. Look where the ball is by the time he actually makes contact with him as well. It's about mm -hmm. 10 foot up in the air. It's mental. I don't know how they got decided to go and have a look at it, but credit to Don Robertson and absolutely a red card for me. Yeah. Um, if, if, if that was Shinny, for example, they'd be calling for his head on a stick. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I think for me, at, at first viewing in, in real time, I thought it was an absolute stonewall red. The first replay, I thought, oh, this is a, 
I think, you know, had it been the other way around, I'd have been kind of a bit raging. Um, that it was a red card, and I was like, no doubt this is going to get get overturned. But I actually think the more you watch it on VAR when they slowed it down, as you said, the kind of the extension of the leg, the way his foot's up, stud showing, I was like, what What are they trying to prove here? The more they showed it on VAR, the more it was a red card. So, yeah, fair play to, to Don Robertson for sticking to it. Um Obviously, the other kind of contentious issue that VAR didn't get involved in um, came just at the beginning of of injury time where Don Robertson found a mysterious free kick to Rangers. Um, I thought potentially for a handball against Dante Polvara, um, even though it clearly hits his shoulder. A few people have believed it for a, a push on Connor Goldson. Um, I'll just say that push came after the handball. Um, of course, for one of two in the box. Thought, thoughts on both of them, either of them, worthy of even a look? Because it didn't certainly seem that VAR looked at them. For me, it's a penalty. Um, however, by the letter of the law, you can... I don't know, it's difficult. Cause you can understand why they wouldn't want to give that because, OK, it's going to hit him in the chest anyway, but his hand's out here. It's a handball. Hmm. Um, and... Supporting arm is it though? It's it's not supporting him when it hits it. He's mm-hmm. falling to the ground. That one for me certainly, you know, more. There's a good chance that hits the back of the net. It's stopping a goal scoring opportunity penalty. But uh, and also you'd probably flip it and say if that's up the other end and that's Stefan Gartenman's arm, what's going to happen? Yeah, and I think whether you think that either of them are a penalty or or, or not. I think what we want to see in Scottish football and, and as football fans in general is the consistency. And as Forbes McFarlane says, Hart's got the penalty against Dundee on Saturday. And I'm pretty sure the defender's arms were closer into his chest and it was a penalty. And I did actually see an article in the Courier today. Of course, Dundee have asked for the, the kind of audio from the VAR uh, incident in that penalty. But the referees since come out and said that he wanted the opportunity to review the decision, but VAR didn't allow that because it wasn't clear and obvious to, to overturn the decision. So I'm wondering again, because it wasn't clear and obvious, if Don Robertson wasn't wasn't sent to the monitor, but question marks then for me would be asked why he was sent to the, the monitor around the um, Sterling red card, because it's not clear and obvious that it's not a red card. Um, so yeah I, all we want is consistency but it's Scottish football and it's referees we're never going to get the two of them to match up I think we just leave that there <laughs> things yeah. on up perfectly thank you um, one final thing I want to discuss um, from the game last night before we um, move on a little bit is the comment from Rob McLean um, on Red TV to Neil Warnock in his post-match press conference. Now, obviously, the club are currently conducting a um, performance review or whatever the fuck it's called um, to to look into all aspects of the the club's um, performance. And hopefully, Rob McLean's performance on Red TV is being looked at because asking the manager or telling the manager that games against Rangers and Celtic do not define our season surely Callum sums up the negative mentality that is um, ingrained in the club at this moment of in time because whether or not you view the games as a a free hit or not you would certainly hope that the mentality um, going into these games is not one that it doesn't really matter in the in the course of the season because I'd almost argue that they do if you look at the fact that the points we've even taken off Celtic and Rangers this season. We've taken five points off them so far um, this season. Teams in around us aren't as fortunate to have maybe taken as many points um, off Celtic and Rangers this season as us. So that that is almost defining to, to our season because without those points, we could be in a much worse position. Certainly could. Um, I would also argue that just look at last season, that win against Rangers at Pataudry, that really did help define our season, simply. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of spurred us on, uh, essentially. And without those five points, we'd be one point above the playoff um, the playoff place this season. So, 
Um, nonsense, really. I can get, I can understand like sort of the free hit looking at these two games in particular. One right after he sacked our manager, the other one right after we've got the manager in the, in the door. But it's a weird comment because last season a massive game against Rangers helped us hugely get in third mm-hmm. and European football and all the rewards that came with that. And uh, this season, we would be seriously in the shite without those five points. So, um, and I suppose other teams will probably take points off Celtic Rangers as well. And we want to try and do more of that than the other sides. And so it's a very odd comment in general. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about this whilst I was walking the dog this afternoon and thinking that, you know, if, if when you look at teams coming up against Celtic and Rangers, you're, you're probably thinking, well, they're probably going to lose, so we've got the opportunity to make up the ground. Although, as long as it's not a Parkhead, because we've already seen the likes of St Johnston and Motherwell go to, to Parkhead and, and pick up points this season. But for a club like Aberdeen, we should be going in with the mentality that we can compete with these mm. these sides. We shouldn't be going in with the, with the greatest respect to other teams in the league. The mentality that whatever we get is a bonus we should we should have the mentality that we can pick up three points going into this game everyone in the league should be going into the games like that because Sacker Rangers haven't been particularly good okay Rangers have been a fair bit better since Philippe Clement came in we've seen plenty of occasions this season so far that Celtic are not much use they're just a little bit more use than the rest of us mm. uh, essentially but they're not they're not world beaters, especially given the resources at their disposal. They should be a lot better than they are. Yeah. Um, and as Dan D says, they matter more in a tight a tight competitive season. That's what could separate us from Hearts for third. Um, or uh, as you said, um, us and, and 11th place right now. Um, but it, it is crucial every point. But on the point you, you raised it kind of earlier in the episode as well, is the fact that now we have played... Um, Rangers and Celtic and Hearts already um, in our pre-split allocation and we, we also play Hibs um, in a couple of weeks time to, to round off that so between now and the split in theory, of course this is Aberdeen and nothing's ever easy um, and we know what drum you like to beat remember, um, for those of you that have been regulars of the podcast will remember how Callum said we were going to romp the points in October uh, until postponements and Barry Robson ruined that for us Um the games should be favourable for Aberdeen. And as I said, certainly if you look at our next four or five fixtures, I think four of our next five fixtures are at home. It's an away trip to Kilmarnock is the away one in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in all competitions because, of course, the, the first of those games is at Bonnie Rig this Saturday. This probably, starting on Saturday, is where Neil Warnock and these players will be judged between now and the rest of the season because this is when us as fans will now expect positive results and three points, especially in the games at home. Certainly. Um, to be fair to myself, okay, I fucked up the October <laughs> thing. However, I did highlight this sort of run-up to the split as soon as the fixtures came out. Obviously, it's been a bit, it's been a bit changed given you know the, the postponements and things. Um, but I had the thinking uh, that we might be a bit shit when we were in Europe. I didn't think it would be this shit. Uh, mm. However, that's a decent chance once we're presumably out of Europe to to get things going again towards the split. And that it is. You'd certainly expect us to start working ourselves up the table, which I'm kind of hesitant to say. But <laughs> with someone as experienced as Warnock, with a side that, okay, maybe struggling for confidence uh, prior to his appointment, but there's clearly quality in there. We've got... Arguably the best striker in the league. Probably depends who you're asking us or Hearts, Hearts fans, really. Why? There's no reason for us to not start climbing up climbing up the league. 30 points available before the split, as Paul says. We really need to be taking at least 20. I was thinking 21. So, you know, <laughs> either or, anything else I would be absolutely delighted with. And that would give us a chance. That would give us a chance. For fourth, I'm gonna say now, not third, fourth. Yeah, I think I think I think we can all all agree. Barring um, complete capitulation and maybe a Lawrence Shankland injury, I think we're a bit fucked. 
I mean, I think even a capitulation and a Shankland injury, we're still fucked for third. Um, but but fourth is very much attainable. Obviously, one of those games in the, in the recent run is against Kilmarnock, who um, we failed to beat this season. So it'd be, be good to um, get there. And of course, as Dan D points, out of that 30 points available, we don't play any of the current top three um, in that run. And finally, we've got a run of home games. I'm sure, you know, as, as you said, Paul said, we, we need to be taking at least 20 in that possible 30. I'm sure Neil Warnock's got a, a, a target in mind and he'll be setting that to the players, setting that challenge. Go out and, and show me that you can you can achieve that um, and see see what we can do. I mean, you'd certainly be hoping for six out of the first two league games at home prior to going away to Kilmarnock and being through in the next round of the Cup, which three victories there prior before going away to Kelly, which looks like one of the most difficult games in this in this, um, in this this run of fixtures. That's a chance to build real momentum and mm-hmm. a real togetherness and everyone buying into the same thing, fans, players, staff. It's a yeah. chance. It's a chance. I'm just, uh, I hope we'll take it, but at the same time, just given the way things have gone recently. But maybe this is maybe this is Warnock's Barry Robson last season era. You never know. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. Three wins before before Kilmarnock. That's the gauntlet that needs to be be thrown down to the squad and and Neil Warnock. And we need to to go out and uh, and achieve that. And I, I totally agree that achieving those three wins would really kind of gather momentum. Um, and an opportunity to to really kind of galvanise the support that that we could go on because of course that game against Motherwell is one of our final two games um, currently in hand over the rest of the league so um, an opportunity to 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 go back up above Motherwell who of course um, crept above us on goal difference after their thumping of Ross County um, last night and on the back of that I've seen in the comments that I think it's resulted in Derek Adams losing his job um, so could oh, really? it be a quick return to to management for Barry Robson um, up up in Dingwall as well? So um, God, we've still got to play them before the split as well. <laughs> oh, oh God, imagine! Now that that would be something if Barry Robson um, jumped into the the hot seat there. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the game against Saturday, I think the the most easy answer we'll have on the the show t- tonight. Lee Seymour saying, "Do you think Boyan has a good chance of winning Player of the Year?" I- I think he means actual or, player of the season, oh, not like, our one. Oh, right. Because I was going to say, if he means our player of the year, then, I mean, I don't know who the fuck else is competing with him. Um, but it does give me a chance to advertise the raffle that we've got on the go just now. Um, if you do want to join um, myself and Callum at player of the year, we do have a space on our table. It's £20 to enter. If you email red tinted glasses podcast at gmail.com and we'll reply with all the information to um enter and uh, apply for your chance to win thank you to the the six or seven of you that have entered so far and mm-hmm. um, it will be a great night and callum will probably be annoying most of the players and um, i can almost guarantee you that but if he I'm means from them to be honest at this rate <laughs> um if lee does mean in terms of the scottish player of the season then for the whole league I think he's certainly got a chance, given how bad we've been and how many goals he scored. Yeah, but now between him, him and Shankland, you'd think probably. Christ, uh, that would oh, could that end the debate between Aberdeen and Hearts fans? Uh, I don't know. I think um, when once Boyan's scoring fifteen goals next season for Sampdoria, you know whoever, <laughs> uh, then then uh, that'll that'll end the debate. But I think it's right now it's between those two. So yeah. Um, and Rangers have appealed the the red card um, shown to Sterling last night. Frivolous, frivolous. <laughs> get Bad another, get another game on there. But who's fucking shocked at that? Um, anyway, um, Scottish Cup action returns this Saturday. Calm as the rosy posy turn up at Tawdry for the first competitive meeting between Aberdeen and Bonnie Rig. I've watched Bonnie Rig three times in competitive action and yet to see the team I've been supporting win. Hopefully that changes this weekend. What's your hopes ahead of the game this weekend? Comfortable, convincing win with a clean sheet in Warnock's first game with a good crowd, uh, no sweat, no hassle. We don't have to smack them. We just have to be just just cruise through it, and I would just be. I just want a nice stress-free game. 
that would be nice. So I enjoy my steak and black pudding pie at Pataudry um, and just have a nice little relaxing afternoon. That would be perfect. However, it's Aberdeen Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my nerves are a little bit less given the fact, A, it's at home and B, we did beat Clyde. Um, so just just keep moving on from last season, please. Yeah. Well, I reached out to Ryan Moffat, um, who does um, the media for the Bonnie Red Rose ladies team and follows um, Bonnie Red Rose um, men's and women team pretty much up and down the country um, for his thoughts on the game and obviously left it a bit late to actually get him on the podcast himself. So I'm just reading out the, the direct message that he sent five minutes into tonight's uh, episode. So... Calm, you know, you said obviously about this being Neil Warnock's first game. Um, for those that haven't yet purchased tickets for the game, it's £15 for adults. The upper deck is closed. Um, £10, I think, in some areas and, and £5 for under 12. So affordable pricing um, to get yourself along and, and cheer us on the road to, to Hamden. In terms of the away support, because I know people always like to hear what away numbers are, are, are coming up, Ryan mentioned that the supporters club, the official Bonnie Rig supporters club, have four buses. The community trust has two buses coming up. And he actually asked how many tickets they'd sold. And they've sold over 900 tickets so far. Right. He's expecting it to be a following of over 1,000 come Saturday. That is a, a terrific effort. Um, I wonder if they get six loyalty points for following their team up to Pataudry. True. I mean, the six lottery points got to be an incentive now uh, if you've not already bought a ticket. Neil Warnock, £15, steak, black pudding pie, six points. Get the tickets, but, but uh, very encouraging 900. That's, I mean, puts some of the premiership teams to shame, really, doesn't it? It, it really does. And uh, like I said, I've seen them at the Bellsley on, on more than one occasion, and there certainly wasn't 900 of them on both occasions. They're a fucking noisy bunch. Um, they know how to have a good time. Um, so I'm sure they'll make their presence heard at, at Pataudry. Um, I asked Ryan kind of how he thinks Bonnie Rig must be feeling going into the game, saying general feeling coming out of the club is it's a game we just need to go out and enjoy. Good test for the players coming up against a top size. And they've got nothing really to lose. And Callum, I suppose that's potential kind of banana skin about it that it is a game where Bonnie Rig don't have anything to lose and they can just go hell for leather. Uh, exactly what Neil said immediately after I texted potential <laughs> banana skin. Uh, I don't know. It's just I think he's just watched Avery enough over the years that uh, that sort of his mentality at all times. But it is look the players need to be about themselves. Don't take anything for granted. Go and put them away. Look, they're a better side than Clyde. We Clyde made it difficult for us, and they probably need to learn from that, uh, as well as for those that were there last season. Heart back to, um, heart back to last season if they need to, and just don't go through any sort of similar fucking embarrassment again, mm-hmm. um, and just be professional and get the job done. That's all I want. Don't have to smash them. Nothing. Just professional. Get the job done. Nice relaxing afternoon. Yeah, and of course, I'm pretty sure the replays are still scrapped for this round as well. So if it is to be a frustrating afternoon, of course, it will go straight to to extra time and penalties if needed. Ryan goes on to say, similar for the supporters, they're coming up in hope rather than expectation, but looking forward to a day out regardless of what happens on the pitch. They're expecting a big crowd given, of course, it's Neil Warnock's home debut. And I'm sure um, those at a higher level in Bonnie Rig must have been rubbing their hands as yeah. soon as Neil Warnock was appointed, knowing that um, it might add a, an extra few hundred, if not thousand, to the gate o- on Saturday, which will only benefit Bonnie Rig financially um, uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, right, I mean, rightly so. From from the, the the top dogs at Bonnie Rig Rose, they must have been absolutely delighted with that. Uh, in fairness, because had my Robson still been here, I'm sure the attendance sure would have been dwindling. Yeah, absolutely. He mentions that they need to be defensively solid and will probably rely heavily on their keeper, who's Paddy Martin. He's been outstanding since joining the club, so hopefully he'll frustrate the likes of Miofsky. I I guess, you know, we spoke about this on the the last show about kind of maybe the tactics Neil Warnock kind of applies to his teams in bygone spells down in England. And I'm kind of interested to see how he approaches a game like this. Does he set up um, the Aberdeen team to to kind of go out and get that early goal 
deal with any kind of nerves that may be in the air uh, and not let Bonnie Riggs settle uh, into the game. I see a lot of you in the, the comments tonight kind of having a discussion about going to up top. You mentioned Esther Sokler not getting game uh, in midweek. Could we see both Esther and Boyan start the game on Saturday, do you reckon? I'd be happy with that. Um, Esther Sokler's waiting and waiting in the wings enough. I feel like, um, and he's he's shown certainly in, in in his small flashes that he's got he's got something. And I think this would be a good chance to not 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 going to say give him a shot because he's clearly good enough to play for Aberdeen. Um, but a good opportunity to go with that two up front at home. Um, him and Boyan clearly get off get on well off the pitch, and you know maybe we'll see that sort of. Uh, that bond on the pitch as well. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And uh, maybe they'll hold up another T-shirt for Rubicic. That would be lovely. Yeah, now that he's not actually going to be out for as long as first feared and doesn't require surgery. So the yeah. miracle of holding up the 33 shirt worked. Wow. I mean, it looks stupid, so at least it worked. <laughs> yeah. um, Ryan said in terms of the other end of the pitch that um, winger Bradley Barrett is in good form at present and could ask the Don's defence a few questions. Aberdeen may also need to be wary of Lee Curry's set pieces. Um, I'm sure, um, again, obviously, not to quote Barry Robson, but maybe limited time on the training pitch between now and the weekend. In terms of both a defensive setup and an attacking setup, set pieces is going to be something that Neil Warnock's going to be wanting to, to look at because kind of felt certainly at times in, in last night's game when we had opportunities from from free kicks, we kind of really struggled to create anything clear-cut. Oh, we really waste set pieces all the time, don't we? Mm. Um, I actually said that during the, during the game last night as well. and um, It does concern me, however, though, not going to lie, going into this game, the last thing I sort of wanted to hear was, watch out for this man on set pieces. That's <laughs> not filling me with confidence. <laughs> Um, uh, and a final point saying big Kieran Megaki, a, a name that will give PTSD to most Brock supporters um, and for those that remember the, the playoff game between the, the two clubs and um, the antics that he got up to at, at full time at the Bellsley he says he'll make sure the centre backs know they're in a game as well um, he's a man that I hope has a miserable time on Saturday um, especially. What happened against Fraser for those who may not be aware? Um, he was, well, he's a little bit larger. I think he's done well to lose a lot of weight since that occasion. So was getting a, a very much warm welcome from the locals in Fraserburgh. And at the end of the game, um, which saw Bonnie Rigg proceed to the, the playoff game against Club 42, proceeded to whip his top off, shake his belly at the, the hardcore home support and do a little bit of a lap of honour around the pitch. So, um, money, proper, sh- <laughs> proper shithouse merchant, but um, I'm sure Broth fans will be um, hoping to see him have a miserable game this weekend. Yeah, that's fair, but it's funny. And there's nothing wrong with being a little bit bigger, Glenn. Fuck you. <laughs> but this sort of game is kind of the, the romanticised kind of game in terms of the Scottish Cup. I'm just glad that the BBC haven't picked it up for TV for obvious reasons. I don't need to go into why I'm glad about that. Um, We're not even saying that once this episode. Fucking hell. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but look... This is where we just need the club to just go out and do the job. You know, it's the the, the classic. As long as we're in the hat for the next round, it, it's all that, that matters. But I'm sure Neil Warnock will be looking for some players to continue to impress and, and fight for that spot when we get back to, to league action. Um, a week tonight, actually. Valentine's night. A night under the lights at Pataudry against Motherwell. Wow, that'll be romantic. Hopefully it'll be another repeat of uh, Rosa Red, Violets of Blue, Aberdeen 7, Motherwell 2. That'll be nice. Mm. It would be. Um, but yeah, um, get us through in, into the next round of the Scottish Cup and we can start being positive on this podcast for a change. Woo, that'd be lovely. I know, it will be, because there's been a lot of you tuning in to the episode tonight and across the, the past few episodes, both on audio and here um, on YouTube. I think um, the, the last week alone, we've had nearly 10,000 views here on, on YouTube, which is pretty incredible um just shows the appeal that neil warnock maybe brings to the club as well um kind of the exposure he's he's had so thank you all to 
um, tuning in to, to these episodes, supporting the podcast, whether you've been subscribing, you're new to the channel, but also liking the, the videos um, as well and sharing it amongst your friends. But yeah, Callum, I'm sure we'll be back either on Sunday night and we'll kind of wait and see what time the, the Scottish Cup draws and obviously depending if we're in the, the hat or not yeah. um, for um, when we, we come live next. So if you are uh, a subscriber on YouTube and you haven't done so, um, get the notification bell on and you'll be notified of all future episodes live or not. Let's hope some positivity is coming just around the corner, Callum. It would be nice. It would be. Thanks very much for tuning in. Until next time.